Come on in to Margaret McSweeney's Kitchen for Kitchen Chat, where every week you'll meet chefs, cookbook authors, foodies, gourmets, and just plain people who love to eat. And along with laughter, chat, recipes, and stories about food, you'll sometimes also hear words of inspiration, love, and hope. As Margaret always says, kitchen chat is food for the senses and food for the soul. So grab a cup of coffee, put your feet up on a comfy chair, and get ready to spend a little time with Margaret and her friends. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Kitchen Chat. This is your host, Margaret McSweeney, and I am just delighted you're joining me in my kitchen today. Lots going on, and we have so much to catch up on. First of all, please visit www.kitchenchat.info and subscribe to the blog. Lots of fun promotions and Kitchen Chat Pantry giveaways with cookbooks and everything are going on there. And I just don't want to miss an opportunity to visit with you and to connect with you because the kitchen is all about connecting with each other and building a community, sharing great recipes and sharing fun. And thank you for sharing my culinary journey with me as I try to uh, get confidence in the kitchen and uh, become, I guess, also uh, a competent entertainer as well in the house. And Speaking of entertaining, I am just so delighted today. Our guest is Christina Curry, who is founder and principal of Christina Curry Events uh, here in the same area where I live in the suburbs of Chicago. And she is the party guru. And I thought as the weather is warming up, you would like to get some insights of what to do and what not to do when you're planning those special family gatherings and, and celebrations with whether it's weddings, birthdays, uh, outdoor grilling or whatnot. Um, I, Christina is the go-to person. So, Christina, welcome to Kitchen Chat. Thank you, Margaret. I'm excited that you asked me to be a part of this. Thank you so much. Oh, this is fun. So let's start off and share with the listeners some of the things before you plan a party. I'm I'm sure there's like an organized um, approach to this, but before you start organizing and planning, what are the things that we should not do? That's a great question, and I put together five most common party mistakes that we're all guilty of doing at some point while we entertain. And really the first one that people don't think about is making sure everyone has a comfortable place to stand or sit so there's not that awkward moment. At times um, at your party you might find a, a place for someone to lean against and have a couple of hors d'oeuvres and place their drink down. So how you fix that is you make sure you have a couple of high boy cocktail tables placed around strategically so that the guests can put their things down while they're chatting. Um, Even a footstool or an ottoman would work if you didn't want to rent anything. But just something so they can throw down their drink or their their purse or if they're having an hors d'oeuvre. 
And that is so important. And thank you for bringing this up. It is, it is awkward. And I think we've all experienced those awkward moments where we're trying to balance the purse, mm-hmm. trying to, to hold the beverage, trying to hold the plate and be able to, if it's finger food, lift it, or if it's a fork, to lift it. And it can be very intimidating and take away from, you know, the, the joy of the party. So exactly. Yes, exactly. Is there a rule of thumb, Christina, about how many tables you need to have per number of guests? Is there kind of just an easy equation to think about? Not really. When I'm asked that question, it really has to do with the venue that you're working with, the type of space you're working with, whether it's outside, in your basement, in your kitchen or dining room, or if you're renting out a hall. It's really about just strategically putting it in right places. So, Technically, four to six people can stand next to a high boy table. So you really don't want to have enough for everybody because then it won't allow the traffic flow at the party. You don't want everyone just to be cozy just with those six people and never leave. Right. So you want them to be able to walk around a little bit and be able to mingle and and have different hors d'oeuvres at a different station. Um, if you're throwing a real large event, you most likely would have tables and chairs sitting out as well. So it really depends on, on the space that you're working with. And, and rule of thumb is just making sure you have a couple of tables, at least six tables for about probably about 30 people. But really, again, depends on the space you're working with. Okay, this is great. So that's our first um, thing is making sure everyone has a place to stand or sit. So what's the second tip? Oh, the second tip is not giving a clear time frame on your invite. Whether you send out an email or an invitation or a phone call, all your guests need to know what are they blocking off for that evening or that day. So note the hours on there that you plan on entertaining your guests and the invitation, especially with the summer coming up because there are so many events to go to. Your guests will need to know, is it from 1 o'clock until 6 o'clock? Is it from 6 o'clock until 10 o'clock? So that they can plan out accordingly. Wow. So that is a mistake that a lot of people make is they don't put the time frame. And believe it or not, yes, it is. Wow. And, you know, it, and, and maybe we can talk about this more at length when we talk about the food and, and all mm-hmm. of that. But when you have a time frame that's that large, you know, one to six, I'm sure there are a lot of challenges in terms of food flow and, you know, if everyone arrives at one time and uh, versus another. So I can't wait to hear your, your tips and a little bit on how you flow the food. <laughs> correct, correct. Well, the right thing to do would be to list on there what your time frame is for the food. So let's just take, for an example, it's a bridal shower party during the summer, and it's from 1 to 6. Perhaps you can put guest arrival 6 o'clock, luncheon at 2. So guests know what to expect. So if they're walking in at 3.30, they can pretty much guess that they missed out on a luncheon and that they could probably have desserts or some leftover chips and salsa or whatever's left over. Okay, that's very important to put um, within the, the framework of the invitation the time that the food will be served. So that gives a good indication. That's Correct. 
is great. Now, what is the third mistake many party planners make? Oh, this is fantastic. Not having enough food. Mm. Okay. <laughs> very, very hard for many people. I hear, oh, I have so much food, I end up eating it for a week. Or I hear the other route. Oh, my gosh, I was mortified. I did not have enough food. How do you know how much food to serve? And how do you know how much food to serve? <laughs> well, and it's simple again because if you think about it, it goes back to the time frame. So if you are doing a party from 630 until 10 or 11 p.m., guests are automatically chimed in that dinner's not served, so it's hors d'oeuvres. And if you're doing something before 6.30 and you're starting at 5, then you do know you have dinner to serve all the guests. And at that point, you need to figure out what you're exactly serving to know how much food you're getting. If it's a buffet, then you're pretty much safe. But if you're doing a plated dinner, most likely you're working with a caterer at that point, and they will figure out the ratio for you based off the food you're serving. And how can you make sure that you do have enough food? How do you avoid that? What you should do is always have in doubt some things put away that you can maybe serve at a later date that won't spoil, such as chips and nuts, cheese, crackers, something that you know that you can just pull out right away, but yet if you don't pull it out, you don't feel that necessary feel of eating all that food before it goes bad. Right, right. Okay, that that is great to have in your pocket or your fridge or in your pantry. Exactly, um, exactly. And typically, you just want to have at least five to six hors d'oeuvres and at least figure on two to three per person. Oh, Okay. Okay, so this would be for the 6.30 p.m. and later time frame where you're not going to dinner, but you have the hors d'oeuvres. And do people usually expect hors d'oeuvres as well as the dinner from that 6.30 to 10 p.m. time frame? If it's 6.30, the, really technically you're not serving dinner. You're telling everybody, come after dinner, I'm serving you hors d'oeuvres and drinks. Okay, Okay. And dessert, too, typically? or just Absolutely. Oh, okay. everyone has a sweet tooth, right? Here, a little piece <laughs> of chocolate here and there doesn't hurt anybody. Perfect. Now that This is so helpful. This is oh, good. Really so helpful. And what is the fourth mistake that a lot of party, party planners make? Um, and, and it's more of not so much the party planners uh, necessarily even look at this, but they should, sending unclear invitations. And what does that mean? Unclear invitations where it's just not... Where should you park? Ah, okay. That is huge. Many people who host parties at their home should really, or in most cases, do not give that information. They really should put that invitation. Parking is down the block or my neighbor is allowing 10 cars in their driveway. Um, perhaps come with a couple of other friends because I'm only allowed so many cars in my neighborhood. Depends on where you're at. 
And also, if it's somebody new and it's an open house, let's just say you just moved to this neighborhood, guests need to know how to find your home because a lot of times new homes are not on the GPS and you cannot be found. Right. Right. And we have to think about that nowadays because we do use it as a crutch. That GPS takes me everywhere. If I did not have my GPS, I would probably at this point end up in Texas somewhere far from my home. <laughs> I mean, I would just be completely lost. However, there are new neighborhoods that are popping up all the time. Right. So you need to give your guests clear information and landmarks to find your home and where to park. Okay, and that's true. And also, just interestingly enough, I recently went to a wonderful event, but there are two streets of the same name in the community, which were several miles away from each other. So, yes, that is important in terms of, oh, this street, which is near that street or, or whatever, with those directions. That is very important. So, really, to be clear in terms of the parking the location, and the time, and anything Mm -hmm. else that we need to remember about that. The last one, the most simplest way to put it is the standoff. And what I mean by that is I find that many party event goers are uncomfortable when they get to someone's house, even though they know the host and hostess, but there's that awkward moment where they realize, I only know about five people here. Oh, yeah. So it's so important (laughs) for the host and hostess, the party givers, to really take that extra mile and introduce everybody as they arrive so you're not feeling awkward and maybe go even the extra mile to say, this is so-and-so and I've met them through this club or this organization or perhaps it's somebody that just did your kitchen and, and that's why the whole reason you're having a party is to show off your new fun kitchen. This is my cabinet maker who's fantastic. I could not have this party without him. And then you can go in through the door again. At this point okay. now, the, the two adults can start chatting and feel that it's not uncomfortable anymore. We know your name. We know how you know the hostess. And we can have a clear conversation now. And I love that description, the standoff. Yes. I mean, yes. It's, it's so many of us, even if we're, you know, gregarious and outgoing, when we step into um, someone's home, there is sometimes that awkward moment or hesitancy of, oh, I don't mm-hmm. know anyone except uh, my friend here. And and do you feel that it is good to have name tags or no? I mean, what is your thought on that? Oh, well, personally, I think name tags are meant just for the corporate world. Okay. Okay. I would not, if you cannot remember someone's name, that's perfectly fine. But if you can start mingling with them because you were introduced to them, then that standoff feel is gone. Yeah. You're feeling more comfortable. Right. So name tags to me just make it seem either we're back in a classroom right. or we're at a corporate event. And I don't think you want your home or your event that you're hosting for fun should have that. Most likely, too, women don't like to put anything on their clothes. Exactly. Exactly. Exactly, exactly. But if it were part of a corporate event, so let's say that, mm-hmm. you know, um, one of the listeners, uh, her husband sure. or whomever is having a corporate event, entertaining the boss or coworkers or whatever um, at their home um, or, or a larger event because uh, where people might not know, 
what type of name tags would be appropriate? The hello, my name is, or kind of the magnetic? I mean, what what is best? Well, of course, if they have magnetic, but I think that'd be difficult because all of their spouses or significant other might be there with them, and then they feel left out. So you definitely want to keep everybody feeling equal. Yes. And I I don't think you need to have hello, my name is. I feel that that's definitely classroom style. I would yes. just do something very <laughs> fancy and personalize that tag. So if it were my event and I knew I was hosting with many people that didn't know each other and it was going to be difficult for everybody to mingle unless I had something, I would create some type of a tag for them. Okay. And I almost would go even the the route of having them put on little sticks that they had to hold them at first. Because again, I know I do not like anything stuck to my clothes. If I'm, especially if I'm wearing silk or I'm wearing a, a, a tank top style blouse, then it's sticking to my skin. Right. And it's just right. uncomfortable. It gets caught in my hair. I can go on and on and on why I don't like stickers. But yeah. I would probably do something like that. Or what we've also done at Christina Curry events, we've created personalized tags that flip onto the straw with the signature drink. Oh, fun. And it doesn't need to be alcohol. You know, you can eat iced tea or lemonade and have their name on there so that as they start to mingle around, it's sort of a joke of, oh, let me see your straw. Oh, you're Susie. <laughs> and it just makes it more fun and interesting and not classroom style again. Yes, and I love that because it always happens to me at these events where, you know, they have those stick-on ones, and they're like, oh, you're upside down, because somehow my name tag has gotten upside down. So Right, <laughs> right, and you're like, who's that? And that yeah, I love it, I love it. So this way you can avoid being upside down with the name tags by doing this straw idea. I love mm-hmm. that. Very well, fun. This, yes, this is so great. So you started us out, and, and thank you with Christina, in terms of, some some tips of what not to do, you know, in terms mm-hmm. of these common mistakes. Let's just say, okay, we are planning a party. Um, what are the the first steps? I mean, what do we need to decide besides the the day, the venue, the time? What are some some things, the important things that are going into the party planning? I think when you're planning an event for the summer, let's just talk about the summer because I know we're all ready for it. Right. After you figure out that you are definitely going to have it at your home, you need to decide, do you have enough seating? You know, how large is your patio area or your deck? And do you need to pull guests out into the grass area? And if you need to pull guests out into the grass area, how are we going to deal with the mosquitoes? Yeah. Those little bugs and the gnats and the bees, all of that, we have to really take an account for. So before you start really thinking about the food and the decor, which is the fun part for everybody, you need to think about how many people am I having and where are they going? How will they mingle? Will it be on the deck, the patio, the grass? Will they have the option to come inside the house? After you have that figured out, then you can decide on what type of food you'd like to serve. Um, and, and that again is such a personal thing for everybody to think about. I'm having this party. Do I want my guests to be completely, you know, wowed by the food or is it more of, I want them to be wowed by the atmosphere and just have a couple of drinks and good music. So they need to decide where they really, really would like to put their budget. 
Okay, and that's helpful. Just on a logistic thing, what is there out there that can help um, us, I guess for lack of a better word, um, keep us from aerating the soil with our heels, <laughs> our sandals that we wear, and keep on right. thinking, and is there anything out there for having something in the backyard? And yeah, it's kind of summer dressy, and, yes. and, we, might, and we might not have you know a patio or deck or something, or it does mm-hmm. go into the yard area. What can you do to minimize? I agree. The- there is, and definitely even with, let's just say that cobblestone backyard, that's even the most awful thing for us wearing our heels because we right. definitely can twist our ankle. There are a couple of different companies out there that offer heel stoppers oh. and they come in just a clear color and they just pop on to the back of your heel and you, they sort of disappear, and they have a flat form to it, and then they can walk through the grass without aerating it or walk on cobblestone without feeling like they're going to twist their ankle. And if they just Google heel stoppers, you can find many different companies that offer. Some are starting to turn a little bit more trendy-looking, and that's more for the weddings out there so that they can match the bridesmaid dresses. Oh, oh, how fun that they yeah. have that. Oh, all these smart people with these fun business ideas. I exactly. Love it. So do you feel that, okay, as a host and, and people are coming to your backyard and everything, you should have a little basket of heel stoppers to offer your guest if, if she needs one? Or, um, or do you think you bring your own heel stopper? What would you recommend? Well, again, it all depends on the budget. Okay. Uh, of what the party planner is doing. I always like to have a basket filled with many different emergency pieces. And what I mean by that, maybe it's the guests need bug wipes because mm-hmm. they're being bothered okay. and they just need to put something on their skin, band-aids, uh, if they've been stung by anything. So we need a little bit of cream to put on the sting to help it not burn. Um, the heel stoppers, aspirin, Kleenex, um, Tums, you never know. They might yeah. need Tums, something right. like that. Not to plug that company in, but Tums is great. Right. Um, maybe it's floss for their teeth. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe the host, we're serving something with basil or cilantro and you just want to help them out. Um, <laughs> and, and not right? walk around with green teeth and no one tells you, oh, that's yeah, that right. <laughs> that's right. It's not, it's very embarrassing. Uh, and I also have on my, my welcome, I really call it a welcome basket. I also have in there uh, mints so that if you decide you're done eating and you just would like to freshen your breath a little bit, you can put that in there. Um, and also I have infused cucumber washcloths that are nice and cold and refreshing for those that do not deal well with the heat, it's nice to put on the back of their neck for about five minutes. Oh, that is a great idea, especially on a hot summer day if, if you're outside and someone might be feeling faint. And that, that's a great idea. Have you ever had any kind of unexpected um, something happen during a party, you know? And what did you do? Uh, well, we always – let's see – not so much with the guest. I right. had one of my events, we had the blinking lights everywhere. Hmm. They were going off. Everyone had it in their, their martini glasses, <laughs> the, the glasses, the necklaces, everything. And one of the bartenders did not realize that that would affect him, and he went into a seizure. 
uh, the blinking lights. Yes. Yes. Wow. So that was very um, eye-opener for me as a planner that that was too much. Wow. Yeah. So that was very sad, yes. Um, Otherwise, with guests, I really haven't had anything. I'm very safe with the amount of alcohol we serve at our events. Mm -hmm. My bartenders know when to cut off people. I would say that's the biggest uh, concern for everybody, especially if it's a delicious, refreshing signature drink, that alcohol is not noticed when you're drinking it until about 45 minutes later when you realize, uh-oh, oh, I've had yeah. too much. So right. I would say we do safety first on our end when we put our parties together, and I would highly suggest that with all of the people out there that just put on one party a year at their home. is right. just to really watch that because – if something did happen when that guest left the party and it did include somebody else out there, it's going to come back to the person who's giving the party. Exactly. And that is a great segue into another, um, you know, interesting but necessary topic about insurance. So mm-hmm. I guess it would be covered under home or umbrella insurance if something yes. happened. But what's interesting is if you are entertaining you know, some kind of celebrity or or public figure or whatever, that isn't always covered under umbrella. So I guess Mm -hmm. a lot of times if it's a fundraiser or whatnot, um, you need to actually ask that person, oh, can you include us in your... Uh, you know, your insurance policy, um, you know, if you're, if you're the one. Yeah, so so that is something important um, to remember as well, yeah, with the, the parting. But, yeah, and that's, but hopefully, you know, nothing happens that, that is... Uh, exactly. Is well, that of course, way, we always hope but, that. <laughs> exactly. But always be prepared. It's always, and, and you are just giving us great preparation. I love this. Um, so let's say, okay, so we're sitting down. We've decided the, the place. We've decided um, uh, the people um, and working on the, the food, too. Let's briefly talk about invitations. What are you finding to be the best way to invite someone? Uh, by these evites, or do people still really like those uh, hand, hand-addressed and, and uh, printed, um, you know, uh, invitations? And I know it would be different with with weddings and, and things like that. But, but are right. you seeing any trends or what, what is your advice to the listeners I see the that? trend really has gone back to personalized invitations where they're customized for your party. It's not even so much where someone's ordering something offline or at a cute invitation store. People are really looking and scoping out for those that can be very creative and personalize and customize it to what their needs are. So, for an example, maybe somebody likes a lot of bling and sparkle, so they may add lots of different matting behind the actual invitation to give it that wow factor and very dramatic. Um, Some people are adding burlap to their invitations to give it that feel of this is going to be a hoedown or just a country feel party. So they're really doing more of that texture, the personalized, customized look. And those type of designers are being found and becoming very popular on Etsy or just within your own local town of having their own business out of their their 
their home where you would go there. It's not some big high-rise building that you're walking into. It's not intimidating. It's just another person who loves to be creative and design, and then you, you are paying them to make that invitation special, one-of-a-kind, just for you. That is so interesting. So it really is coming back to personalized and customized mm-hmm. and handwritten. And is the calligraphy still kind of a must-do for the wedding invitations? Or is oh, yeah, change? Okay. Yes. So the tradition is still there for, <laughs> for that. Absolutely. Side. Absolutely. You know, once in a while you'll find a wedding that is a little bit less traditional and the labels can be... Uh, they're expected with the type of invitation they're sending. So, right. again, it's really what the bride is wishing for or the party giver is wishing for. And with me, it's it's important that I, I look at them, I listen to them, I learn from them, and then I accommodate them with what they're looking for. Not everybody should have the same invitation. I couldn't stress that more to all the brides. Don't Look on Pinterest all the time because then you're actually copying when you're telling me you want your own thing. So I look at them, I listen, and I learn, and then we create something for them. That is great. And and listeners, I'm going to make sure I do put a link to Christina Curry's uh, wonderful website, ChristinaCurryEvents.com. Um, let's talk a little bit more about some of the trends in invitations and, and parties as well. Um, do you see uh, certain colors each year that change in terms of the pop? And, and, and I guess does that correlate to the wedding colors? I mean, what kind of trends are you seeing in that? And is that something we should be thinking about? I mean, do you make sure your invitation matches the decor and the theme of the party? Right. Right. Well, when it comes to a party at your home, bold and beautiful. Think those two words, bold and beautiful. Our world is filled with color. Go for it. Mix and match yellows, reds, purples, greens. Bring it all in, magenta, and really just have that beautiful, vibrant look going in your home. And you can actually pull those colors and use them within the invitation and all the way to the food. So with the summer events coming up, it's so much fun because everything is fresh and gorgeous straight from the garden to your table. So think of a Mexican theme and how many fun colors are in a Mexican theme event. Gorgeous. I mean, they really know how to put a party on. Uh, Same with the Italians. Mm -hmm. People tend to think just red and white checkered is for the Italian theme parties, but there are gorgeous colors depending on what part of Italy you're thinking of. And just bring in the coral, orange, Mm -hmm. and turquoise blue. Gorgeous. With the weddings, they do tend to look at the what the Pantone color was for the year. And for this year, it's the orchid. Oh, wow. So a lot of little um, colors are being plugged in. I wouldn't say it's over the top because I really, for us personally, we really, again, we stress to the bride, do what you want, not what everyone's telling you you think you should do. Right. Pull it in with what you want. If you want brown and blue, go for it. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the 
the ground is brown and the sky is blue. So that's right. That's <laughs> that right. Worked. But with the orchid, is that like a pale pink or what color of the orchid? It's um, funny you ask that because we've been talking about that in our office. You know, it really depends on that flower at that moment. So it's more of a um, dark pink with a with a with fading out into a light pink. So really, it's it's a mix of both. If you okay. if you really want to talk, I mean, but it depends on the flower that you end up getting, what you end up with. Right. Right. Okay. No, this it's is a surprise a, for all of us, <laughs> <laughs> and it's a personal preference for whomever. So that that is great to know. Now, what about back to invitations? And here's kind of the question, and, and we'll talk a little bit about the wedding invitations and just a regular type of party invitation. Uh, what? How do you handle the RSVP? I mean, I grew up in the South, so it was very traditional. We had to include the, you know, well, you don't, you, we didn't include the card because it was expected that you would write, you know, by hand your response as to whether or not you would be attending. Again, <laughs> um, right. Yeah, so, and I know, you know, we've come away far away from that, but is it still traditional um, to include like a response card? Are you seeing that is still the um, you know preferred way of RSVPing on on weddings or, or what what are you seeing for that? Well, for weddings and for galas, especially anything that you're doing of a plated dinner, you do need to add that response card. Okay. It really helps. It helps the guests to be committed to what they're signing on to to, to attending the event. When you give them the option of email or regrets only, they're not committing themselves, Mm. maybe not to the week of. So again, it depends on what you're doing, but the trend definitely should stay the same no matter if it's, you know, 1980 or 2050. A response card makes you feel, wow, I'm invited. It's going to be an intimate event and I need to make sure I hand this in. Okay. Okay. Now, what about um, just a regular party at home? Do you usually have a regrets only or RSVP with a phone number, email? What is what is the preferred communication and most efficient way? The preferred and the proper way is definitely have an RSVP phone number. Okay. Make that connection, especially in our world today where people are not picking up the phone to talk anymore. Right. It's always a text message or an email. So it's nice to start off on the right foot. You know, if you would role play with me, I, you know, you're calling me and I say, Margaret, that's fantastic. I'm so excited you're coming to my party. Oh my gosh. It would not be the same without you looking forward to seeing you. Right. You know, it just makes you feel like, wow, she's having a party and I'm invited. Yeah. And it wouldn't be the same if I'm not there. It's just a great way to feel special. And really at that point, if you're being invited to a party, that is special because yeah. party planning and uh, entertaining sort of just laid low for a little bit there with the economy a couple of years ago. And I think it's really coming back for people to have parties in their home. Right. And, and have their friends over and celebrate life. Oh, that is. And life is a celebration. It um, is. It is. So at what point?
point you start kind of panicking a little bit as host and like, oh my goodness, you know, only a fraction of people have, have responded, how how do you find out? Do you what is the best way, you know, in terms of the RSVP? You haven't heard from everyone, the caterers calling you, oh, we need to know the exact mm-hmm. number. What is the preferred way to find out? Well, there's a couple of questions there that you asked me. So the first one would be, 10 days out before the party, if you haven't heard from your guest, you should call them. Okay. Because the caterer needs to know seven days out. Okay. So that they can place their order for their ingredients to make it possible, whatever they're making for you. Um, And really picking up the phone and calling them. And if it's leaving a message... Not sure if it was lost in the mail. I feel terrible if it was. Always take the approach that the invitation was lost. And I will tell you this. There was an invitation, and I can tell you it was definitely a wedding invitation sent to me because the postage had a cute wedding cake on it, Hmm. and it was addressed to someone completely different but with my address. Oh, no. (laughs) However, the state was North Carolina, and I'm in Illinois. So I wrote a note on there, please send back to North Carolina. A week later, it came back to me. Oh, no. Yes, <laughs> yes, it did. And so at that point, I wrote on the invitation envelope on the front side of it, this came to me within the last two weeks. I've tried to mail it out to you. Please note this person invited you on time. I really wrote all that on there. And put to the post office, make sure this gets there now. Because truly, the benefit of the doubt there is your invitation could have been lost, and that's why they're not calling you. Right. So always just when you call, just not to be defensive and just to our invitation get lost. I hope you know you were invited. I need to give a head count to my caterer in three more days. Could you please let me know how many people will be attending? Yes, and always making them feel special, and, and yeah. uh, that that is great. Well, what is near and dear to the Kitchen Chat listeners is food. Yeah, <laughs> and I cannot wait for us to talk about um, food. I mean, what types of um, food? Are, I guess there's a whole planning process working with a yes. caterer or decide, you know, designing it yourself at home. Uh, what should be some important things to consider when planning the menu for each party? I think of when I plan my menu for anything, whether it's for a client or for myself, I think of it as planning a stage for a theater. I like to have highs and lows with my food and how I present it. So, for example, if I'm having a crudite platter and cheese and and different meats and nuts that go with it, I may lay all of that on beautiful cutting boards, all different shapes and sizes. And that gives the guest, the guest a little bit of refreshing taste. It's, it's right there. They can see it with their eyes right away. They want to touch and try some. And then I have behind there another layer of food, which is more of the hors d'oeuvres that were intricately put together by the caterer or by myself, such as canopies or finger sandwiches or quiches, whatever you decide to do. Um, and, and just, again, that they're going up to the next level. With their cocktail, they may feel they want a little bit more substantial food, so you might have the little sandwiches there or Caesar salad in small cups 
or small pasta salads in a mason jar. So really just dressing up the food. The freshest ideas out there, they're all fantastic. Everybody has their input of what should be served. But really at the end of the day, it's what you feel you need to serve to show your appreciation for them coming to the party and how you stage it. Exactly. And what does the hostess do about food allergies? Do you write the ingredients to each um, item that's on, you know, the the buffet or being served or or ask beforehand if they're food allergies? Mm -hmm. How how is that handled? That's a great question. Yeah, my oldest daughter is allergic to nuts and oranges. So, you know, it's... um, really important that we know if there are any of those ingredients and and different foods that's served. That's a great question. And a lot of times what I ask people to do and to think about is to have little place cards out of what the hors d'oeuvre is called. Um, To list all the ingredients would be a little tough to do just because it it kind of gets in the way with everything. And and really some hors d'oeuvres could have about 10 ingredients in them. So it's just a matter of looking at it and talking to the host or the caterer that or the wait staff that's there to just to be sure what's inside that particular pasta salad or crab cake, whatever it's being served. Um, we do like to point out, and, and what we're doing a lot, is showing the guests this area here is completely nut-free and this area here is completely gluten-free. That's what you're finding more in the trend. That is interesting. Yes, that, and that's a great way to just keep it separate. Yes, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I guess uh, included in that little emergency basket maybe some Benadryl, <laughs> just in case. Right. <laughs> <There> is, <laughs> an EpiPen. Yeah, an all EpiPen. Of that. Oh my. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. You know, and most people who do have allergies or realize that they are gluten free. Um, by that point, they do know what they can and can't have and can take a look at it and know right away, oh, that's a product they shouldn't be eating. Exactly, exactly. So everything has been a wonderful, you know, party. Everyone's having a great time. How do you um, propose ending the evening or the afternoon or the event? Do you, do you want to always give them a little takeaway, a little party favor, or what are the trends that you're seeing at this point? Right. That's a great question. When you're ending the party, first of all, master the music to slow down. Mm. That gives the guest a feel that it's coming to an end. If you're still having that loud uh, Frank Sinatra music going on, no one's leaving. Right. <laughs> but if you master that music playlist and just tone it down first, and here's a couple of things that have been very trendy and so well-received. Having to-go cups with either coffee or hot chocolate Mm. and cookies. Oh. Because, honestly, how many little gifts can you jam into your kitchen drawer? Right. Right. Right? We've seen it all. So edible favors are it. Okay. That is great to know and makes it easy and especially because so many times I go to these fun 
parties and I'm having such a fun time, like at my wedding, I forgot to eat. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No taking that you should eat. Yeah. So as a guest, I, you know, that would be great to go home with something like, oh my goodness, I didn't really eat. So that's a great idea. And what about Mm -hmm. for um, weddings? Are you seeing any trends for little gifts that they bring home as well? Are those typically edible as well? Or what are some? They are typically edible. What a lot of the weddings are doing right now are two things. One, serving a late-night snack as they're leaving. Mm. So sometimes what we've done is we've pulled up a food truck, oh, and it's fun. waiting there out in the parking lot for you to get that one more slider or that <laughs> slice of pizza <laughs> with soda or water. Um, another trendy thing, I, and I hope it never goes away because I just love it, is when the bride and groom decide they're going to give back in your name as the party favor. So there are different companies out there that you can order chocolates or cookies from, and on the tag it will list what charity you're giving back to. Oh, I just got goosebumps. I Mm -hmm. love that. So they're really focusing on just the good. Yes. I Uh, love it, too. I love it. That is just the best takeaway ever. So the the gift is giving to someone else in need and just letting them know that they gave in name of uh, the The guest that attended. Yes. Yes, all of that. It's very noteworthy. Many people walk away, and I see it all the time at the weddings. And even at parties, they walk away saying, wow, that's incredible. And And they keep something like that because not because they wanted to get lost in their kitchen drawer, but because that's something they're going to do next for their event. Yes, exactly. Oh, Mm -hmm. I love this. And I also love the food truck. What a fun idea. (laughs) Very fun. Very fun. You can bring back the ice cream truck as well. It's just fantastic having that good humor man come down and ring the bell (laughs) and get your old-fashioned ice cream. It's it's very fun. It's very stylish right now to have that. I love that. Oh, Christina, you have just provided the listeners and myself some excellent party ideas and party planning ideas, what to do, what not to do. Is there any... um, final tip that you just really feel you need to leave with us today? I always have one tip that I give to everybody in my office and all my clients, and that is a simple phrase that everybody knows, the devil is in the details. (laughs) (laughs) Always check off and have somebody else help you check it off to make sure you've covered everything because as a host and hostess, I know you've done a lot and you've daydreamed about your event and you've done everything and then one little detail you may have forgotten about could ruin your night. It shouldn't, but it could. Right. So the devil's in the detail. Yes, and and definitely plan. And listeners, if you need some extra help planning, please be in touch with Christina Curry. You can reach her on ChristinaCurryEvents.com. I'll make sure that I uh, leave a link along with the podcast for you to access. And 
Christina, thank you so much for being on Kitchen Chat. This has just been so helpful. So thank you. Of course, you. it was a pleasure. Thank you for asking. Oh, and listeners, please keep in touch. Follow me on Facebook Kitchen Chat. That's all one word. Also, my Twitter feed is at McSweeney, M-C-S-W-E-E-N-E-Y. And please subscribe to kitchenchat.info. Lots of fun blogs coming up and photos and some wonderful interviews. Carla Hall from The Chew is going to be on Kitchen Chat in just a week or so. I can't wait for you to hear about her new book. And we're going to have food editors from Washington Post and L.A. Times. Just lots going on in my kitchen. Thank you so much for being a part of this, listeners. And remember, during these busy times, just take a moment and savor the day. Thank you for joining us today. If you're interested in Margaret's books, A Mother's Heart Knows, Pro Girls Encountering Grit, Experiencing Grace, and Go Back and Be Happy, please just click on the covers on the webtalkradio.net page in front of you. Margaret would love to connect with you and hear from you, so join her on Twitter, Facebook, her blog, or click on this website to leave a note and share a recipe. Thank you again, and we'll see you here again for a new show next week.